cross, but he brought me his love. Many around the world and right here in the United States are not able to do so. 
I'm also thankful for our band, all our volunteers, Amber and the Kids Church. All week, Mila's been saying how she wants to go to church. It's so awesome to see the church or the Kids Church sign go up and all those kids just go running to whatever awaits them. Um, when we look around the room, uh, you'll see our communion stations, our COVID safe communion stations. Thanks for those that are uh, doing that and making that happen. Did Jesus Christ die for the Republican or the Democrat? Both. Did Jesus Christ die for the immigrant or the citizen? Both. Did Jesus Christ die for those that stand for the anthem or for those that kneel for the anthem? Both. Are we going to be judged on our patriotism or our godliness? Just something to think about. One last thing. 2020 has left us with no shortage of worldly slogans. Um, I won't list them all. You can think of as many. There's plenty out there. But the inherent thing about worldly slogans is they draw a line in the sand and they create an us versus them mentality. It doesn't, they don't bring people together. Think of godly slogans. Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. It doesn't create the divisiveness of worldly slogans. So, enjoy today's message. Love your enemies.
is our prize Drawn to redemption by the grace in His eyes If His grace is an ocean we're all seeking So heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss And my heart turns violently inside of my chest I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about Welcome to Real Life. If this happens to be your first time with us this morning, we'd love it if you take a minute and go to reallifecc.us on your mobile device. Click on the uh, New Here link, fill out that short form, let us know that you're here. Uh, we're not going to show up at your door, steal your children. We just want to send you an email, say thanks for uh, coming. So if you would take a minute to do that at some point during the service, we would appreciate that very much. And thanks uh, to you for joining us online. You can um, do the same if you are on the live.reallifecc.us link. You can just um, go over, click on the right-hand side up at the top and uh, fill out that form from there as well. Um, it's come to a point in our service where we take a moment out to give back to God some of which he's given to us. And I want to just uh, take a moment to share with you something. I know that, you know, we've been through this pandemic thing. We're not through it yet, but I guess we're still going through it. Um, and I just want to make sure that you're aware that if you come to a point in your um, life and your finances where things are just uh, rough and you don't know if you're going to make it, would you please reach out to us? Um, your generosity and your gifts, uh, we're able to bring that together. And if you're in a tough spot, we want to be able to help. And uh, we may not be able to fix every issue and provide you with every amount of money that you might need, but we do want to help you. And so uh, if you find yourself in a tough position, please don't wait um, and, and worry about that, but reach out. And if we can help, we certainly want um, to do that. We're able to do things like that when we're aware of them because you give. And so I want to thank you for giving and thank you for being consistent in, in your giving. And I, I don't want you to get, uh, I don't want you to get big heads or anything like that. Um, but I've talked to a number of pastors around the country who uh, have been preaching and doing live stream stuff um, throughout this pandemic and um, most of them have seen a decrease in their giving and in their budget. Uh, here at Real Life, we've seen an increase in giving and our budget. So uh, thank you all, and thanks for you online who are giving to help support the mission and ministry. So let me tell you again how you can do that. You can go to your mobile device. Uh, if you're here in person, go to reallifecc.us, click on the orange give icon in the bottom right-hand corner from any page that you're on. You can do that at home as well, uh, or there'll be a little green, a little blue give button uh, that pops up in the chat window. You can click on that. You can follow that giving flow. Uh, it's real easy. Uh, make sure you're signed in, create an account. That would help us, and it will help you down the road, and you can give uh, there one time, or you can set up recurring gifts. Appreciate it when you do that. And uh, so thank you, however you give, uh, even if you give in person, like even, isn't that weird? Uh, some places aren't taking cash, we are. So uh, just so you know, and you can leave that in the bucket uh, by the back door on your way out. There's giving envelopes there um, as well. We will even take change. So uh, thanks, let's pray. And, uh, and then if God leads you, you give. God, thanks for 
loving us and forgiving us everything that we have. Thank you for being faithful to us as individuals, as part of Real Life Church. And then thank you for providing for the mission and ministry of this place that you've called us to and what you've called us to, to help every person possible find real life in Jesus and look more like him every day. God, that drives us each day to do the things that we do and to help those we can help. And so uh, we just thank you for being faithful to us so that we can be faithful to your church and uh, so that the mission ministry can continue on even in the midst of a pandemic. You are a good God and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Every one of us, regardless of age, struggle with struggles. We face struggles of all different kinds. Some of those struggles in our lives we choose, right? Now, you may not think that this is a conscious choice, but probably because you don't just remember. But at some point in your life, you probably struggled in learning to walk. Right? That was a struggle. Yeah, it was, wasn't easy, right? You had to learn. It was difficult. You fell down a lot, but you continued to struggle and work that thing out. Uh, some of you, maybe at some point in your life, struggled to learn how to do a gainer off the high dive. Uh, DJ, uh, for instance, uh, probably tried that before. Don't ask him to do it now, all right? The 40-some-year-old body doesn't move. I don't even know how old you are. 30-some-year-old body? 32? 23? Is that what it, I don't, yeah. So anyway, don't ask him to do it now, but um, you probably struggled to do that, and, and, uh, and, and it, was a, it was a big deal. Um, have you ever tried one of those stand-up paddleboard things? Yeah, I, this is why I haven't tried it yet, because uh, I think that would be a, a struggle. Maybe running a marathon. Believe it or not, I did actually do that. That was a struggle to get through that. Some of the struggles we face in our lives are things that we choose, and sometimes those struggles choose us. Maybe you developed a bad back when you were in high school. That is not fun, by the way. I'll tell you uh, from personal experience. Maybe you struggled with um, dyslexia, or maybe your struggle is because of somebody else's poor choices in their life. When I was in high school, I played uh, basketball, and believe it or not, back in the ancient days when I played basketball, Every uh, beginning of the year, we'd show up, we'd get in there to, to, to practice, and before and after practice, we would have to run killers. Anybody uh, run killers? Yeah, I think you call them something different here in the Midwest, but you start on the baseline, right, and you go out and back, and then half court and back, and then uh, free throw line and back, and then baseline to baseline. Remember those? What are those called? Suicide. Yeah, yeah. Well, either way, you're dead, uh, at the end, that's the point. And so our coach was this like leathery old dude who stood on the sidelines with a stopwatch um, and he, smoking a cigarette, believe it or not, smoking a cigarette on the sidelines while we're running killers and he's timing us. Everybody's got to get past the baseline before my timer goes off or you got to run it again. Beginning of the season as we show up to practice every year without fail, Several young guys, as we're running those killers back and forth, have to run off the sideline, off the court, and puke their guts out. Then they come back. There's a lot of struggles in our lives, but you know what? In the midst of that struggle of running those killers every year, I loved it. I love the camaraderie of like all of us there working towards the same goal, pushing each other to be better. I love the competition. I love the thrill of being able to play. And I knew that if I practiced well and I practiced hard, that eventually I'd get time on the court and then I'd get to throw some elbows and I'd get to knock some people around and it would be great. When something that we want is that the end of our struggle, it makes the struggle a lot easier, doesn't it? Maybe it was um, first chair flute for you. Or maybe it was starting five on the basketball team. Or maybe it was Stuco president. 
Let me jump forward, all right, into middle age where a lot of us are. Can I say that? Middle age, that's probably good. That's probably good. Maybe you'd relate more to things like this, um, making manager where you work. Maybe that's a struggle, and you're like you putting in the hours, and you're doing the things because you know at the end, you're going to get a promotion, you're going to make more money, you're going to climb the ladder, it's going to be good. Or maybe it's the struggle like uh, my son and his wife just went through, uh, buying their very first home. I think they'd say that was a struggle, and hopefully they'll say it was worth it. What we learn from the struggles we choose and the struggles that choose us is a universal truth, and it's our bottom line today, and it's this. If there's no struggle, there's no strength. If there's no struggle, there's no strength. It doesn't take long in the gym to learn this lesson, that the greater the struggle, the greater the strength that's built from it. And most of us handle that like really well when it comes to achieving our goals in life, right? Whether it's in the gym or at work or at home, if we have a goal in life, we'll put up with the struggle in order to reach that goal. We do that pretty well. But when it comes to spiritual struggles in our lives, we often just wimp out. And instead of gutting through those times, we give in and we ask the age-old question, why? We go, why, God? Why is this happening? Well, today, I want to answer that question for you, at least in part, as we kick off this brand new message series called Devoted. We're going to learn over the next several weeks the importance of faithful obedience in the same direction. Let's face it, many of us struggle with living the life that we know God has called us to in Jesus, right? That is not an easy thing to do. It's difficult to live out this life of faith day in and day out. It's difficult. We like the freedom that comes when we can just kind of choose our own way, when we can kind of adjust as we go to whatever's going on. But the Bible has a lot to say about the benefits of staying faithful over time no matter what your struggles might happen to be. Because as we, as we face those struggles, the spiritual struggles that we face, they build spiritual stamina. As we face those struggles in our lives, it builds our strength, it builds our stamina, and we're able to withstand the things that are gonna come down the, down the road in the future. We not only make it through those struggles, but we grow through them, and we're better prepared to face future struggles. So I want to take a look at what uh, James has to say about followers of Jesus who've been scattered all over the world because of the persecution that broke out in Jerusalem. Now, if you've been with us um, this year and through the pandemic, we went through the book of Acts. And so we got near to the end of book, the book of Acts. Persecution broke, broke out against the church. And remember, a lot of the believers fled Jerusalem. And they went to all parts of the world. And they began sharing about Jesus. And that's how the gospel got out. And so we're going to look at what James has to write to the church after it had been scattered. Now today I'm gonna to do something that I don't normally do, and that's I'm gonna use the message version of the Bible. So if you don't have the message version, you're not familiar with it, well, it's gonna be up here on the screen as we get to each of those passages. But if you uh, would like to have a little clearer picture, you can go to reallifecc.us, click on my message notes. That's a link if you scroll down and uh, you can get all the notes as well as all the scripture references. They'll be right there. And you can follow along that way or you can have them for future reference. If you're joining us online, just click on the notes tab at the top right side of the screen, and you'll have those notes there as well. So let's look at how James kicks off the first verse in the first chapter of his book. I, James, you get who he is, right? I mean, he says it right off the bat. I'm a slave of God and the master Jesus. I'm writing to the 12 tribes scattered to kingdom come. Hello. Now, I told you this was the message version, right? So it's a little more modern uh, day language, but I really like the way it says what James has to say, and so that's why we're looking at it today. And so James is just introducing himself. Look, if you're a believer and you're scattered because of what happened in Jerusalem, I, look, hi, we're still here, we're still going. I think that's what he's saying. But what I really want to get to today, it begins in verse 2, so we're going to look at that now. He says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, 
when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Now remember, the first verse we just read, he said the church has been scattered all over the known world, which means they have been uprooted from their homeland and they've been sent out to foreign places, foreign cities, foreign, like they don't have friends yet. I mean, this is a difficult thing. And he says in the midst of what's going on in your life, consider it a sheer gift. Most of us, I think, as believers, want ease when it comes to spiritual things, right? There's this Americanized gospel that's been preached uh, for many years, and basically it teaches that if you just give your life to Christ, if you come to Jesus, if you uh, choose Jesus, then he's just going to bless you with all the things that you want, right? Just give your life to Christ, and he's going to take over. If you look on the TV and you flip through a couple channels, you're going to find several preachers who are out there preaching that. That if you just accept Jesus, everything is going to go right in your life. But I don't know if I see that actually take place in the Bible. Not a single time in the whole Bible have I ever read about an angel who visits a person that God wants to use to do something incredible, okay? And the angel comes and says, look, here's what God wants you to do. And I've never read a place where the person receiving that message goes, well, hot dog, that's exactly what I wanted. That just doesn't happen, right? So let me give you a few examples this morning, and um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a little bit, and I want you to see if you can guess who it is that I'm talking about. So if you know, just kind of shout it out. If you're at home, just shout it out. Wake some people up. They'll come to church. Okay. Uh, so, so here's one. See if, you can, um, see if you can get this. You're going to get this one right off probably, okay, but I made it easy just to start off. Um, you want me to build a boat? Like, do you know it's never rained and we live in a desert? Noah, yeah, okay, see, I told you that one. This one's gonna be probably um, the hardest. Uh, you want me to walk into a sin-infested, depraved, bloody, and murderous city, the most gru- uh, uh, gruesome, oh, who said it? Oh, uh, way to go. You, you're, yeah, you're, preacher's kids are exempt uh, from this. So, but I'm actually proud that they got one. So that's good. Good job, guys. Um, it is Jonah. Like God said, go to this city and preach to them and tell them if you don't repent, I'm going to destroy the city. And Jonah's like, um, how about we just skip the preaching and my funeral and you just, you know, kill the, kill the people. That would be, that would be good. That was uh, Jonah. Here, this one, you're going to get it. Uh, my kids are going to be quiet on this one. Uh, let me get this straight. I'm an unwed teenage betrothed woman, uh, b- betrothed to a man. What's, okay, wait till I get done. Betrothed to a man from a rule following family at a time when the punishment for adultery is death and you want to bless me with a baby? Mary, yeah, okay, thanks. I mean, I worked hard on this, people. You gotta let me get it out. Okay, not a single person that I have read about in the Bible, not a single person that God ever used to do anything great thought that it was going to be easy. But they all knew this one truth, that if you don't face the struggle, you'll never find the strength. If you don't face the struggle, you'll never find the strength. And that's true in the weight room, it's true in the boardroom, and it's true in the bedroom. Now, wait a minute, don't get excited about that. Marriage is difficult, right? It's a struggle. And as we struggle or face those struggles together, it builds up our strength so that we can weather the storms, storms like children and bills and medical procedures. And so that's why James tells us to consider the struggles that we face in our life gifts from God because they're designed to build our strength. And so look, we have to face the struggles that come. We have to face them. We can't just wimp out and leave. We have to face the things because if we don't face the struggle, we're not gonna build the strength that we need. Our faith has to be tested. It has to be tried or it's gonna crumble, right? And so when we face those tests, uh, they're designed to see what's gonna happen. Will our faith crumble, or will our faith cement? Paul said that the struggles used by Satan to keep him down 
actually pushed him to his knees in prayer. So the struggles that Satan was causing in Paul's life, he said those things cemented his faith and his reliance on Holy Spirit's work in his own life. Struggles have the ability to force your faith into the forefront of your life. And that's why James says what he says next. Let's look at verse 2. He says, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. The pressure that struggles create in our lives force our faith out of hiding. Do do you know um, what this lump of charcoal, we can see that lump of charcoal, and this pencil, and the diamond that's in somebody's ring uh, around you, whatever, maybe you have one. Do you know what the connection is between those three things, charcoal, Number two, Ticonderoga pencil. Actually, this isn't a Ticonderoga. We're cheap. I don't know what it is, but it is number two, so it's uh, passable. And the dime, you know what the connection is? Uh, yeah, I don't know what you said. Yeah, they're all made from the same thing, right? Carbon. They're all made from carbon. Now, carbon makes up 0.032% of the Earth's crust or outer mantle by weight. And that comes to about, I don't know what this is. If you want to know how much this is, ask DJ at the end of the service, and he'll probably be able to tell you. But here's what I find um, so interesting about this, this, this thing, carbon and, and how it works in this. If you've ever written with a pencil, you know how easily the graphite breaks. Now, I just learned it's not pencil lead. That's what they used to think, pencils. But it's not pencil lead. It's pencil graphite. So uh, when you go to school online or in person or whatever next, uh, and you say, you're going to say pencil lead, don't say pencil lead. Say pencil graphite. It will make you sound so smart to people who know that it's not lead, it's graphite. To everybody else, you're gonna sound like an idiot, but it's okay, because you will know that you're saying the right thing. Okay, so um, here's, here's what's so interesting. If you take a pencil, this is just a little homeowner tip uh, for you uh, if you have this problem. If you have a lock at your house, a key and a lock like in a door that is difficult, like it just doesn't turn very well, Shave off some of the pencil so you get a long stick of graphite, shove it into the lock, and then put your key in there, and you can run it back and forth and jiggle it all around and break up that graphite, um, pencil graphite, in the lock. And what happens is, as that graphite breaks down into smaller and smaller bits, it actually lubricates the lock and makes it easier to turn. You're welcome. Just call me this old man. Uh, And you... You'll, uh, you'll get that tip. Um, so what happens is it crushes up that graphite because it's very, it, it's very easily mashed, right? It's not very, not very tough. Now on the other side of the scale from that graphite that crumbles very easily is a diamond. So carbon is both the hardest, among the hardest and among the softest materials known to man. I think that's really interesting. The same thing can be both among the hardest and the softest materials. And do you know what realigns the atoms? Because that's the only thing that is the difference between graphite and a diamond is the alignment of the atoms within that whatever it's called. I don't even know because it's beyond me. But do you know what happens, how that happens? You know, pressure and heat. Heat and pressure. And guess what? Struggle provides the heat and the pressure to build up the strength in our lives, to make us hard against the future struggles that we're going to face. They cause our faith and our life to collide. So maybe over the last five months, you know what this is like. Maybe you lost your job, maybe completely or maybe just for a time. Maybe um, your marriage is suffering Maybe it's suffering, which is really sad. Maybe it's suffering because you haven't been working in your home all the time and you're in each other's space and so you're just kind of button heads. And, and maybe that's the reason you're not getting along with your kids or your neighbors because you're just home and there's no place else to go and nothing else to do and you're frustrated about a lot of things. Add to that 
um, murder hornets? We don't hear anything about murder hornets anywhere, but they're out there. And just flat out murder. Like people are still dying and nobody like seems to talk about that either. And on top of all of that ridiculousness, it's an election year. Let the conspiracy theories fly, okay? About all of that stuff. Listen, struggles weren't designed to crush your faith. They were designed to cement your faith in your life. Struggle was meant to bring your faith and your life in line so that the faith that you have supports the life that you're, you're leading so that it's not different. It's not like I come to church and this is who I am and I go to work and this is who I am. But struggles brings those things together. It mashes our faith and our life together. Struggle helps us go from graphite to diamond. Paul in 2 Corinthians goes on to say this. It was Christ's strength moving in on my weakness so that the weaker I get, the stronger I become. We go from weak to strong when we face our struggles. But James tells us it gets even better. Look at the next part of the verse. He says, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. When you face the struggles in your life, don't try to get out of those struggles prematurely. Because instead of growing through our struggles, we often try to squirm out or get out of our struggles. And we do that in several different ways. So let me share a few of the ways that, that I think we often try to worm out or squirm out of the struggles that come into our, our lives. The first way I think we do that is like we just bolt. We just get out. Because of Trent's um, drawing and the business and because that's gained some attention over the years, Andrew and I have been able to talk to a lot of families who have children with disabilities. One of the things that keeps coming up and is so sad is parents coming and talking to us and we talk about, you know, what your support system is and we find out that when their child was diagnosed, one of the parents couldn't handle it and, and had to bolt. They had to leave. That happens a lot in our lives. We face these struggles and we don't know how to deal with it and so we just take off. And guess what? That's gonna happen even more, I think, in the coming months. We have almost another half of the year to get through. And, and, and look, as, as we, like school begins to get back going, I, I, look, I have this feeling if school is gonna start in person, something's gonna happen there's going to be an outbreak, and those schools are going to shut down, and kids are going to be back home. And I, I'm, I am so glad at this point in our life that Andy and I don't have young children, because then we'd have to pick, and like, who's staying home and who's not, and, and how are we going to work that out? That is an incredible struggle and pressure in the lives of parents across the country. How do we manage that? And so that struggle is, is going is to push us. It's going to be difficult on parents. It's going to be difficult on kids. It's going to be diff difficult on workers. And, and, and that struggle causes that fight, flight or fight uh, uh, point in our lives, right? We, what are we going to do? And oftentimes what we think the easiest thing to do is just to get out, just to bolt. So sometimes when struggles come into our lives, we just decide I can't do it anymore and we leave. We just try to get out. The other way, like maybe you're like, okay, I'm just going to stick this out. I want to leave, but I'm going to stay and, and fight, right? And so what happens when we stay and fight, we often fight the wrong people. We fight the people that we're supposed to love instead of the struggle that we're having, and, and that causes a blow up. And, and it may not be like, like, just like, might not be what you think, right? It might just be um, a, a blow up in another way. What we want to do is we want to light a fire somewhere so that it ignites so it takes our focus off our struggle. So if you're a guy, that's what happens in the midlife crisis, right? You, you go out and buy a new car, you buy a Harley, a sports car, or, or whatever, and, and what you're doing is you're, you're like, you just light the match and throw it in, like you pull the pin and there it goes, and you're just going to blow something up because at least if something is on fire, it takes your attention. I don't have to deal with the struggle anymore because I'm, I'm focused on, on this. And so the different things in our, in our lives, we, we, we try and we, and we just like pull the pin and we throw it in. And we just want something to blow up so it'll take our mind off of what's going on. 
The third way I think that we um, fight the struggles and we try to worm out or squirm out of our, our struggles is um, that we blunt them and don't get excited. It's not the kind of blunt I'm talking about. And if you know what I'm talking about, I will pray for you. I mean, it's kind of related. Because what happens is that when struggles come in our lives, we want to numb out from the struggle. And so maybe we fall back into um, addiction. Or maybe we go, we, we go into porn or alcohol or drugs or, or, or whatever it is. We're going to run into some other negative behavior. We're going to dive into something else. We're going we're gonna, to, like it's one of my wife's favorite shows, uh, we're going to break bad because we're just trying to blunt what's going on. And, and a struggle, I can't handle the struggle, and so if I do this, at least I'll just kind of numb out and I won't have to think about it for at least a few minutes. We've got to stop trying to get out of what God is using to grow us. Because look, as believers, we're training for spiritual battle, and we've got to be prepared for what's coming down the road, because the struggles that we face now are going to prepare us for the struggles we're going to face later. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I keep my body under control, I make it my slave. Paul's like, look, I'm not trying to get out of the struggles that come into my lives. I'm trying to learn from them. I'm going to grow from them. I'm going to beat my body so that I can handle the struggles that come. I'm going to face them because I, I know that's the only way to grow. And we've got to learn that the goal is to grow through what we go through, right? To go, grow through the things that we go through in our life. And that can't happen if we're bolting or blowing up or blunting the stuff that's coming at us. One of our lead um, volunteers here at Real Life, Sheila, she oversees our hospitality ministry and takes care of our kitchen volunteers. And so um, the, the, the coffee and the communion and things like that, she's the one that takes care of that. And um, she's had kind of a rough week, and I got permission to share a little bit about what's going on. Um, some of you know this already, but, uh, you know, Trevor has been playing the drums for us for the last several months because Kevin, our OG drummer, he hurt his back. He's had a back problems for a long time and, and, and finally just got too much, was too painful for him to sit and play. And so um, he went through all the steps you have to take and eventually they scheduled surgery. So that was scheduled for this last Tuesday morning. And because of COVID, Sheila drove him to the hospital. She let him off at the door you know, they probably kissed or whatever, and then he walked in and she drove home. Can you imagine going and leaving your spouse at the hospital who's going to have major surgery and then just driving home and being like, okay, whatever. So it was a difficult day, right? Because you want to be there with them. You want to find out what's going on. We're not used to this. This is completely different than anything else we've ever faced in our lives. It just, it's just odd. And so she goes home. And she said on Tuesday, the hospital did a great job of connecting with her. Like they texted her all the time. Here's what's going on. Here's how the surgery's going. Kevin's doing great. Surgery's going great. I mean, it was a successful surgery. They were even able to do some things that they thought would even be better that they weren't sure they were going to be able to do that will help him down the road. So Tuesday was a great day. Surgery went well. She got all the information she needed. Everything was fine. But Wednesday comes and she's texting Kevin and he's not responding to her. And she calls his cell phone and he's not picking up. And she calls the hospital and gets the room number and she calls the room and nobody's picking up that phone as well. And so she goes all day Wednesday, and, and nobody is talking to her. She's leaving messages at the nursing stations, like, please let me know what's happening, and she's not getting any information. So Wednesday was a rough day. Thursday, same thing happened. She's texting Kevin. She's calling him. She's calling his room. She's trying to ask the nurses. She's not getting any information whatsoever. Now, I talked to her on Thursday and tried to help her through. I talked to her Friday morning, and here's the story that she told me. Friday morning, she was still trying to get a hold of somebody to get information about her husband and what was going on because that was, it's not normal, like he's a talker. You've heard him preach before maybe. He's a talker. Uh, and so she's like, this is not normal. Something's going on. I'm not there. I, I don't know what's happening. Somebody needs to tell me. And so um, she left, I don't know, the 15th or 20th message uh, for a nurse, the nurse's station, what's going on with Kevin. And she hung up the phone 
Nobody hungs up a phone like this anymore. She hung up the phone uh, and, and probably slammed it down. I don't know. Um, but she said she paused for a moment and she just was like, God, I know that you're in control, but I can't handle this. Not knowing what's going on with Kevin is just too much for me. So she hung up the phone. She just said, she's like, okay, God, you need to take this. I need to know. I need some information. I'm not getting anywhere. Please help. So she got up from her desk and she went to, I think, another room. She sat down. She grabbed a book and she was trying just to let God deal with it. This is two days plus since really no word from her husband. She goes and sits down. She said, 15 minutes later, the phone rings. And it's the nurse. And she tells him what's going on with Kevin. Now, just so you know, there were some complications that not from the surgery, but from some other things. And, and he just was kind of out of it. And he was in a lot of pain. And he had some other struggles. And, um, but he texted me yesterday. He texted and talked to her yesterday. So everything's fine. Hopefully, he'll be getting out um, very soon. But, but I tell you that story to, to, to just say this. Sheila is learning how to rely on God through the struggles in her life. She's building strength, faith, and trust in God in the midst of her struggles. Instead of running from them, you know, like, like maybe like I would have wanted to like drive to the hospital and beat somebody up. That's a struggle, right? I, I feel for those people all over the country who have loved ones in the hospital and they can't go in and they can't see them. Like that's not something that we're used to. So she's learning to trust God through this struggle. And that's exactly what needs to happen in our lives. Look at the next part of the verse. He says, um, let it do its work. He's saying, let struggles do their work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. We have to let the struggles we face do the work they were intended to do. They have to make us strong in well-developed spiritual warriors who can stand up to the pressure of tests and trials and temptations so that we look more like Jesus. Let me give you a few um, examples from the Bible of, of people who, who had to face struggles so that they would develop their faith. And, and some were, were interesting to me. Um, Moses, I think, is one of these characters. After God freed the Israelites from their Egyptian slavery... Right? They were slaves for 250-some years in Egypt. Um, and, and God finally, through the 10 plagues, like these miraculous things, he gets the Israelites freed from Egypt. And they leave Egypt, and they're walking. This is like maybe 3 to 5 million people, Israelites and uh, Egyptians, that have left. With, like, they, like the Egyptians, like a lot of people don't know this. The Egyptians saw all of the plagues that God brought, and they were like, I'm not staying here. I'm, wherever you guys go, I'm going because your God is the God, right? And so they leave with them and millions and millions of people leave and they, and they take off out of Egypt and they find themselves on the western shore of the Gulf of Aqaba. So the Red Sea comes up and then it splits into two fingers and on the right is the Gulf of Aqaba and they're standing there on the shore. It's the only place in that whole region that, we, that would be able to hold that many people. It's miles and miles and miles of sand. And the Israelites are standing there between um, uh, the Gulf of Aqaba with a sea, basically, and the Egyptians are coming down the south part of that peninsula, and they're heading toward the Israelites, and they're freaking out. They're scared. They, they tell Moses, they're like, were there not enough graves in Egypt? You brought us out here just to die in the sand, and our bodies are just going to be washed away. And in verse 13 of chapter 4, Exodus 14, Moses says this. He tells the people, like this great moment, they're screaming, they're crying out, like we're going to die. And Moses stands up in front of them, and, and he, says, uh, he says this. Uh, where, where is it? Where did it go? Moses tells the people here, he says, stand firm and watch God work. So people are freaking out, and Moses is like, he's like, chill. Just stand firm and watch God work. God is going to show up, and these people here, these Egyptians, you're never going to have to see them again. That's verse 13 of Exodus 14. And then 14 comes, and it's still Moses telling the people to chill out, and everything's going to be cool, and God's going to show up. And then verse 15 gets here. And in verse 15, like the total tone changes. 
And in verse 15, God begins to talk to Moses, and he says this, why are you crying out to me? The total shift. Something happened between the end of verse 14 and the beginning of verse 15, and I have an idea about what it might be because I've been there too, and maybe you have as well. We've seen God work like Moses, uh, the 10 plagues. We've seen God do incredible things in our lives, and we've learned to trust him, and yet we're at a point in our lives where we're like, I've never faced this before. Yeah, I know God can do all of these things. He can turn the uh, river Nile into blood, and he can cause a frogs, and all of this stuff, and lightning, and hail. He can do all that, but I don't know if he can do this. And I think Moses, after he stands up and says, look, chill out, watch God work, he begins to freak out. And I think he begins to cry out to God. And he's like, God, what are you doing? You've brought us out here to die. Like the people are right. Like I'm saying the right thing to them, but I'm thinking inside, this is not gonna work out and this is gonna end poorly. And God goes, why are you crying out to me? And this is beautiful moments. God's like, just get on with it, Moses. Uh, get going. Moses had watched God do all these credible things and then he has this moment in his life where he, where he doubts that God can save them. And I think that's what happens. And so God steps in to discipline Moses' doubt. Moses sins because he doubted God. And God goes, look, Moses, you need to learn who I am. And so he begins to discipline him through that. The other one is um, John the baptizer. So John the Baptist, right? Jesus comes, the beginning of his ministry, he comes to John. John's in the Jordan River. He's baptizing people. Jesus shows up, and, and he's going to be baptized. And John baptizes. He's like, no, I shouldn't. You should baptize me, Jesus, not me, you. And Jesus says, no, this is to fulfill all righteousness. And so John baptizes him in the Jordan River. He pulls him up, and then John witnesses something that I don't know if everybody saw or not, but John absolutely saw the heavens opened and the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and it came down to Jesus. And there's this voice uh, that says, this is my son who I love and I'm well pleased in him. And what John says after that moment is, is this. He said, this is the Messiah. I'm absolutely convinced I know that Jesus is the one that was promised. Absolutely know it. And then just a matter of months later, John finds himself in jail. Herod has had him arrested because John, like, preached against Herod. Herod didn't like it, so Herod threw him in jail. And John hears from his followers about what Jesus is doing and what he's saying. And he sends some of his followers, I think it's Matthew 11, he sends some of his followers, uh, uh, Matthew 4, sorry, he uh, sends some of his followers to go to Jesus and say, are you the one who was promised or should we keep waiting? Now, just months before, John is like, absolutely, this is the Son of God. And now he's going, wait a minute, I don't know if you're the one or not. In the midst of a struggle, sometimes our faith is tested, right? And, and when we begin to wonder, uh, the things that I believed here, are they really true here? And so I think in that prison, in that jail cell, Satan was, was putting John through a trial. There was a test of his faith. And so Jesus tells John's followers, go back and tell him like the blind receive sight and the lame are, are healed and, and freedom is preached. And what John would know, yes, absolutely, this is the Son of God. And so Jesus reaffirmed what John believed. And so he grabbed on to that. And guess what happened just shortly after that? Herod had John beheaded. So John was facing his death, and there was a moment for this trial, this test of his faith, and John passed it, and he died believing that Jesus was the Messiah. Let me give you one more. Jesus, after he had fasted 40 days in the wilderness, maybe you remember the story, Satan shows up, right? Satan comes to him, and he tests him in three ways. Uh, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Uh, lust of the flesh, turn these rocks into bread because you're hungry. Uh, lust of the um, eyes. Here's all the nations of the world, and if you would just bow down and worship me, I'll make all of them bow down and worship you. And then he took him to the top of the temple, and he said, look, if you throw yourself off, the angels will support you. They'll keep you from, from dying because it's not your time yet, right? And so if you jump off, the angels will stop you, and everybody will know that you're somebody special. And every time Satan tempted Jesus, Jesus responded with Scripture, appropriately used and applied Scripture. 
Satan was trying to crush Jesus' faith and his obedience in God. He was trying to lead him astray in this moment simply because he knew Jesus was weak because he'd been fasting 40 days. But Jesus resisted giving in to sin and he gained a victory. And what we're talking about in, in each of these three situations and in every struggle that you and I face, this is what we're talking about, everyday faithfulness. Everyday faithfulness. We're gonna face struggles in our lives every day and what we need every day is just faithfulness. We've got to stick it out with God. We don't know what struggles we're gonna face each day, but we can determine to face them in Jesus' strength. Now this week or maybe even today, Here's the challenge and what I want you to do, whether you're here in person or online. Take some time to determine if the struggle you're facing is discipline from God or if it's a test or a trial, maybe from God, from the world, or from Satan, or if you're just flat out being tempted by Satan. Maybe you've acted in, in pride because you're weak or something. Satan thinks you're easy picking. So here's how to tell. If the struggle you're facing is discipline from God, it's the result of disobedience. Um, so you've sinned in some way, right? I've done something I shouldn't have done, and so God is gonna respond by disciplining me to get me back on track. And so the question is, what have I done? Maybe you don't know. And you gotta ask God, like, Holy Spirit, help me know what it is that I've done so that I can follow through with the appropriate response. And if you've sinned, the appropriate response is repentance so you can continue to moving on. But maybe the struggle that you're facing in your life right now is because you've sinned in some way and God's trying to just discipline you. Because scripture says, look, God disciplines those he loves like the children that he cares for, right? And he wants us to be on the right path. So maybe your struggle is discipline. Maybe your struggle comes from a test or a trial. So those can come from God, they can come from the world, or they can come from Satan. But, but look, tests and trials are gonna come in every one of our lives because we're believers. Simply because we're followers of God, our faith is gonna be tested and tried in various situations. And in fact, Jesus said all like, look, if the world hates me, they're gonna hate you. You're gonna face trials and, and difficulties and, and struggles simply because you follow Jesus. And so if that's what you're going through, if that struggle you're facing is just a, a naturally occurring test or trial because of your faith in God, your response to that is just to persevere. Like just hang on to God and go, okay, we're gonna get through this together, right? We're just gonna keep going. The other struggle that might be coming into your life is just a temptation. And a temptation is a direct attack from Satan. And it's typically the result of, of one of two things. Um, either pride in your life, right? So scripture tells us that God gives us the things that we have. But sometimes we get prideful and we start thinking, I can stand on my own two feet. I can go my own way. I can do my own thing. We begin to have pride, and, and Satan is going to latch on to that. When there's pride in our life, we begin to think we're more than we are. Satan latches on to that and then wants to tempt us to cause us to sin. But the other way, that uh, a reason that Satan might come and tempt you is simply because you're weak. You've gone through something else in your life that's weakened your system, okay? If we want to apply it to COVID-19 stuff, your immune, your spiritual immune system is weakened. And so Satan's going to attack you because he th that's why he attacked Jesus at the end of his 40 days of fast and not at the beginning. Because he, he thought, when I get there, Jesus is going to be so preoccupied with, with like needing to eat and wanting that energy that anything I say to him, he's just going to do. That's why Satan's first attempt at getting him to sin was turn these rocks to bread because he knew that was Jesus' biggest weakness in the moment. So we have that struggle. And so those temptations are, are gonna come. Look, Satan doesn't care why you're exposed. He's just gonna jump on any opportunity he has to get you to sin. So it's important to know where your struggle is coming from because otherwise you won't know where to focus your strength. You'll look like one of those guys who goes to the gym and then skips leg day. We all make fun of those guys, right? They look really good on the upper half and then they pull off their sweats and they got the little chicken legs. 
That's what happens spiritually in our lives. When, when we do it, when we're not well-rounded spiritually, we might be really strong in one area and really weak in another area, and where do you think Satan is going to try and attack? That's why we need to practice everyday faithfulness. Don't worry about next week. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just determine today to be faithful to God's call on your life as you daily surrender to Jesus. Look, building spiritual strength increases your spiritual stamina, and that takes growing through your struggles in, in try, instead of trying just to get out of them. And look, life is a struggle, isn't it? The struggles that we face come in, in, in different areas at different times, but we all face struggles in our lives. And our strength in, in times of struggle, it comes from the fact that we don't struggle alone. When we face those struggles, we don't face them alone. And so our strength isn't just in us. Our strength comes from Jesus, who the scripture says so powerfully works within us. Victory doesn't come through our strength, but through Jesus. Where there's no struggle, there's no strength. So let the struggles in your life do their work and remember God's words to Isaiah. He said, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I don't know what struggles you're going through today. I don't know what struggles you're going to face tomorrow as you go into work or you go back to school in a few days. But here's the promise from God. I'll give you the strength that you need to make it through those struggles. Let your struggles make you strong in Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you for loving us and being with us and giving us the strength that we need to get through each and every day. God, I pray that we would be people who would not just simply rely on our own strength to get us through because that would be pride, right? And Satan will come and, and try to tempt us in that but that we would allow more and more of your strength to be present in our lives. Paul said, look, where I'm weak, Jesus is strong. So help us not to be afraid of being spiritually weak because when we're spiritually weak, you can be spiritually strong in our place. And, and so God, would you help us just to rely on you? Would you help us to to face the struggles, like quit trying to get out of them and just to face them in the strength that you give us. Because your, your word says that we will not face anything in our lives that you won't give us the strength to overcome if we would just rely on you. So God, the struggles are gonna come. Would you help those struggles to build strength in our lives as we rely more on you, more on you every single day? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, next week, we're going to continue this series uh, on devoted. We're going to look a little bit further, just a few verses into James chapter 1, and we're going to learn how we can get help from God when we face struggles, help when we need it, and then what God expects when we do get that help. So I hope you'll join us uh, next Sunday for part two of devoted. All right, let's stand up and we'll sing one more song.
There's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Have a great week, everybody.